And we are live. JT here. Welcome to The Huddle. The Huddle is where I sit down with successful people from the world of sport and coaching. It's to learn more about their journey to greatness. Why do I have these conversations? Because success always leaves clues. I want to take a moment just to thank you all, whether you are joining us live as we stream into Facebook, whether you're watching the replay on YouTube, whether you're listening to the audio on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me and my special guest today. I've been looking forward to this conversation with my special guest today. We connected over social and we have some mutual connections, mutual friends, but I was really inspired just the more I've observed, I've seen what she's doing, how she's choosing to show up in the world as a leader, as an innovator, as a catalyst for change. And uh, I'm just, I know you'll grab lots of valuable nuggets uh, from her journey and, and just, I think you'll walk away, you know, really learning lots. My guest in the huddle today is Olivia Ghosh. How are you today, Olivia? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. You're making me sound <laughs> amazing and I hope I can really provide those nuggets that um, people can really use when they think about sport, sport leadership and football. Yeah, no, definitely. And before we get started, Olivia, I, I just want to take a moment to send you a bit of gratitude. The one thing I, I really have come to observe with you is how you want to be a driver of change in this world. And I love, as we were talking before we got on, you know, I, I know it's not always easy to be that driver of change, but I love how that athlete mindset of yours, like I see it, I can feel it. And, and I just want to thank you for sharing it. Um, and, and choosing to show up in the world as how you are. So thank you. Oh, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. The athlete mindset has gotten me through a lot. <laughs> so like if I didn't have it, I don't know if I would have the same drive and all the work that I do currently because it's, it keeps me going mm -hmm. and then seeing the outcome is just the best part of it. So, yeah. I love it. Okay. So the first thing I'd love to do in the huddle is to remind people that life is a game and games are supposed to be fun. So I'm curious, do you have an interesting fact? Some may say a fun quirk that maybe a lot of people don't know about you that you would feel comfortable sharing with our community. A quirk, oh my. Um, <laughs> if we're talking about general life things outside of the game, well, I guess life is the game. I like to keep my game pretty organized in a sense. So I can't do work without cleaning up the space around me in some capacity, whether it just be moving around things for a few seconds yeah. or um, like putting away my laundry that's looming behind me as I do work or when I'm in the lab and I need to get things sorted and organized or if I'm mm -hmm. on the field, if I need to get the balls and flags set up, all of those things keep me going or else I can't start whatever I need to do. <laughs> I love it. And why I love that is so many you know, great coaches, leaders talk about that is that they need that attention to detail of, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. It's just that attention to detail, keeping a, a, a great and a tidy environment just sets you up to, 
have a great day. So I get it. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with chaos, but I do like a little, <laughs> little bit of tidiness or else then I, I feel like it's just in the back of my mind or in the corner of my eye that's keeping me distracted or an ex- maybe it is an excuse to procrastinate a little, but um, yeah, <laughs> that's what okay. I tend to do. Okay. So, you know, one thing I've really loved was listening to your journey as you shared with uh, our mutual friend, friend Zach on at the 55 podcast was you were sharing your journey of, you know, being an athlete and transitioning into these leadership roles. So I'm curious, what has been the biggest lesson that sport has given you? And what is that takeaway that you still consistently apply to your life day in, day out? Yeah, the the first word that comes to mind is perseverance, uh, mainly because there's so much learning that comes with sport. So as we move through things, um, there's a lot of times where we're losing, where we're not performing adequately, where we're still trying to get the fundamentals down, where we're still trying to build the skill. Um, And that along the way can be daunting. There can be many areas that an obstacle comes up. You're like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm performing at the level of a high performance program, for example, which is something I've always achieved for or uh, strived for. And so you need perseverance. You need to be able to put through those things and get to the next level, get to the next stage. Persevere through how far your body can go, right? There's a a big mental aspect to that too. And then of course that translate right into what I do on a daily basis in science, like I'm in STEM, I'm a, working to become a neuroscientist I'm in my PhD. Um, and a part of that comes with a lot of, again, hurdles. You become skilled at what you do. You might, <laughs> you might have something that doesn't work out the way you plan and it totally changes um, everything about that plan or experiment, et cetera. And then you have to pivot, you have to change. You have to start thinking strategically. So all of that comes down to being able to persevere. And it, it, it's not easy. Um, but everything you get through makes it a lot easier the next time around. I love the simplicity of that, Olivia. I love how you talk about the, you know, the importance of perseverance and why I think it's so important is like you said, challenges, obstacles, setbacks are part of life. It's not that we want to expect them, but we just understand that they do pop up from time to time in the game of life. So I'm curious from you, that lesson of, of perseverance, whether it's on the football field, whether it's, you know, as you are in pursuit of your PhD, whether it's, it's you know, continuing to grow and evolve as the leader you are, how has that lesson really helped you as you have really become a, a driver of change, right? Like you mentioned, you are, you know, you're pursuing STEM right? In the STEM field, you are pursuing, you know, football, right? And as we both know, right, female football has not always been um, as popular. So how has that perseverance really showed up for you as you go down these really sometimes these uncharted territories? Oh, my goodness. It's like embedded in everything. Because when you switch into the leadership role, you start to understand a bit of the politics, a bit of the red tape, a bit of where people's heads are at. Sometimes a lot of it is from a business lens and investing in sport, right? And we're talking about this day in and day out about investing in women's sport. But what happens when the sport itself is already way, way, way behind? And I I would say football is in that lens, especially in Canada. 
Um, and it's just starting to pick up now and we're bringing in the right players to have these conversations, including myself. And perseverance is a big part of that because I have heard so many no's. Um, a lot of where this, the league for university women's football has been is a lot of no's, a lot of, um, you're not there yet. You need high performance. If you want to develop a high performance program, you need things at the grassroots level. And I'm like, but there's so many barriers to those things already off the bat. How do you expect us to get there without building role models, building leaders in the sport? And that happens to be later for women in football. So what I find is that um, as I navigate through these different landscapes, um, whether it be in sports, science, um, especially for underrepresented groups, it's a matter of, okay, uh, where do I go to next? Because yes, that door might be closed for one person, but they probably opened up something else. Another uh, look, another way you have to kind of think creatively to move out of where you think you need to go to go somewhere else. So for example, our league, for us, it's like, we wanna be a part of university athletics. We wanna be a part of the OUA. That'll get there eventually, but right now that's not our lens. That's not our space. Uh, the investment isn't there at the institutional level. So we have to pivot. We have to create it ourselves. And that creativity has basically brought up a number of women in football that are now leaders building these programs at the schools um, for the league, for the province, and are really guiding kind of the work in other lens within Canada as well. So it's really cool. It's the perseverance leads to opening doors, leads to yeah. all these different elements. And it, it's kind of exciting to see that other women are also okay I can get past this there's something new that we can do now um, to keep things moving forward mm -hmm. I love what you're sharing there and, and a word that came up a couple times as you were sharing was like creating right mm -hmm. and I, I heard you talk about you know creating opportunity and I could really start to get that sense of right you can see your expertise in the neuroscience area right and the power of reframing that it's so easy to sometimes focus on the no's, the barriers, the reasons why it can't happen. But, you know, you just have to be open that to continue knocking on those doors, to, to find the opportunities, right? To find the blessings and just take it one step at a time because it's that one door that opens that, you know, where more great things happen from, from that. Yeah, and I think you said a really nice word there, reframing, right? Reframing, reprogramming. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the structures that we're working through and navigating are not made for, for, for example, in football, not made for women, mm -hmm. right? And the leaders in those landscapes tend to be men. So we're, we're trying to reprogram that. We're trying to reframe kind of the structures that exist already, say that there is a sphere, there is a, a space for us, whether it be with a bit of contact or not, whether it be with flag, whether it be with taco, whether it be a combination of contact flag, which is a, a lens I work in as well, um, that, it, that it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get through your nose, it's no problem, but it's about how we reframe, reframe and reprogram. And sometimes it's using the master's tools to do that. And we kind of, we kind of play around with what exists already and, oh, hey, maybe we can do it a bit better. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and, and <laughs> I really get a sense of your positivity, right? It's not about, you know, it's not about doing that, but it's just kind of showing, hey, this is what women's football, like, this is how beautiful it is. This is what it looks like. And, you know, spe speaking, as I mentioned to you before we came on, my background's in education. Right. And I would say that some of the most spirited, the most powerful days 
of schools where we where we would promote you know female participation especially around female football at my one school we would actually have a big tournament that was just for females right the males would coach and as the last day of school as a way to celebrate our school the culture and it was by far like it was amazing just seeing the buy-in at the last school I was at we would have one and it was probably one of the biggest most well publicized and and the event you know the most popular events and why I share that with you is just the demands there right like there are there are like there are females that want to play there are males that love watching it because you know there are some great athletes out there so uh, so I'm curious what has it been like shifting from maybe this one right used to be called quote unquote now that you know powder puff football to now where it's like no this is like this is an everyday kind of thing like this is a league so what has that transition been like um for you as you've kind of observed it yeah there's so many things there that i was just like snapping for mentally um (laughs) just because it's i think you highlighted some key things so what's great about football just to start off from the bat especially for women is that an athlete from any lens, whether it be basketball, soccer, swimming, can tra- transfer those skills into football. It's because there's so many elements to it. There is the hand-eye coordination component. There is the speed. There's the movement. There's just being um, intelligent because there's a huge strategic element to football. So all of those things are there, and that really makes for a well-rounded athlete, okay, whether that comes from any sport lens. So that's what we're finding with women in football. They're coming from a sport where maybe they've hit the stage where it's ended in terms of a high performance program, whether that be at the varsity level, Mm -hmm. and transition into something new where they can excel even more in because they have a huge skill set. So that's what we're getting um, with our high performance university sport lens programs at each each of the universities we're getting those athletes who maybe didn't go to the varsity level in their sport because there's so many already in those sports but now navigating something new um and translating out of that powder puff lens comes with a lot of that one we're we're all athletes so the mention that there is no demand there or that girls don't want to play a version that involves a bit of contact has all the flag elements to it as well all the skilled positions and bringing in an even extra added that um, a lot don't appreciate or don't even understand is a line. We have a line in our game. We, it, it is physical. We don't have equipment necessarily, but we're working on training athletes on the line of different body types to be able to still have those same experiences in football and same concepts that we can translate from the CFL or NFL game into the women's game, um, but incorporating even a little less contact and more safety with the flag. And what's really cool with that um, is we get a huge, a huge unit. So these teams need to house at least 22 athletes, right? We play 11 v 11 style football um, and you need 22 athletes, but then you also need subs. You need girls that you could train up. You need rookies. You need all of that. So for example, we just had a drop-in session yesterday at Western University. We had 50, over 50 girls just there ready to play, ready to try out the game and and get out there and learn. Um, And that's crazy. <laughs> if you see the numbers, if you go to our Instagram at Western U Women's FB, you'll see it. You'll see our, our most recent posts of all those athletes. And a lot of people are like, holy smokes, there's this much at one university in one area. Imagine what we're getting at all the other institutions. And like I said, you have to house, house at least 22 girls to, to have a proper roster. So imagine what, what numbers we get. The demand is there. The physicality is there. The skill translation from all sports are there. So 
that's it. That's, I can't, I don't even know what more to say that there has to be some more buy-in um, and more interest generally speaking. And I love how you share, you know, just the words that you talk about. It's, it's, it's really highlighting the beauty of the game, right? Like this is, you know, these are high performance athletes that are crossing over from different, you know, streams, right? Different sports. Mm-hmm. And, and there is that beautiful element where you're making it unique, right? There still is that physicality element, but you're learning how to integrate it with, you know, the flags, like just to make it more, you know, just, just to make it unique. So the question that I, that came up for me as you were describing this is, so you talked about a big focus right now is, is creating those, you know, those, those leaders, like something that young women can aspire to, right? To see these leaders at the university. And I love the fact that we're seeing it now at the U sport level, right? Where there's now more, I saw the Instagram get taken over by, um, it's, I think it was Coach Fuller from McMaster. Uh, Amanda Ruler, oh, yes. Ruler, sorry. Yes. Yeah, and I, and I noticed her. And so my question is, where does grassroots play a, play a role in there? Um, just to give you some context, my son actually, who's 10 and a half, played flag football with Under Armour this year. And I think there are maybe a handful of girls out there, but like, how do we even begin to sort of introduce at the grassroots to where by the time they come up to university that they have this bit of knowledge and, and familiarity with the game? So there's two things that I like to think about for this question. One is um, who is really the one buying into this market of women in football? And two, who's demanding it and asking for it? So when I say that, the who is buying in, that's the parent, right? We need to start targeting parents in a way to show that there is a lens at the university level. Because of course, yes, sport is one thing, but in Canada, we are investing in our children to go and get a higher education, usually, and to then go and get a great job. And sport, especially even with a country that has a lot of immigrants coming in, don't really see that. They don't really see that. And especially something like flag football, where you don't see a lot of women in the game to begin with, right? So if we are asking that of, of at the grassroots level, we need to target the parents. We need to show them that there is buy-in, that um, women who are coming to university to play football are getting scholarships in different ways because there isn't scholarship for us in the sport specifically, but we're getting scholarship because of our experiences in one being ambassadors and advocates for women in football and women in sport, and two, being able to balance the academic lens because once you get into the university, then you know, oh, wait, you can play football. That's when they get introduced to the game. So if you see that buy-in and that where it actually leads to for the parents, they'll invest right they'll put their they'll put their daughter in it the other thing is they needed their daughter needs to ask for it too right so that's where i'm saying the demand needs to come from they need to say oh my gosh i just saw a girl playing flag football with the guys or i saw um i just saw a university game we did a buyout with the with the elementary schools i want to play i want to play i want to know where to go so that's what we're working on now is is more so building our programming so that it's the best it can be putting and promoting our athletes and then inviting those in the local areas to come out and experience the game so that young girls are like, this is something I want to achieve 
achieve towards and who can I ask can I bug my parents to put me in it in some way so that's kind of where I'm seeing the grassroots lens um, at my level and then of course communicating and, and discussing with all the other coaches that help prioritize the men's and boys side of football and showing them again introducing them to this beautiful game and just how it really has to be a team approach if we're really going to you know, give opportunity, right? Because, you know, I think even from a parent standpoint, I think to one of my experiences at one of the high schools I taught at, there was a fairly large uh, immigrant population, right? Very diverse school. And, you know, some of the parents were just very, were not familiar with football. And I think when your only experience of football is seeing, you know, the NFL, like, you know, the mm -hmm. stereotypicals like smashing heads, it's not exactly the most appealing as a parent to sign that form to say, yeah, go out for this. Yeah, and there's so many elements to the game. So the tackle is one sphere, but flag mm -hmm. is, I think the future is flag. I could, that could be debated otherwise, but I think it's there. Um, that's what we're seeing in terms of movement into the Olympics as a demonstration sport in 2028 um, in LA. Like that's a chance to really see the, the skilled element. It does prioritize skilled athletes like for example, track athletes, basketball athletes, et cetera. So that's why I kind of like our game a little bit. I'm a bit biased to it because we yeah. do bring in the line, the, the rugby players, et cetera, mm -hmm. into the game a bit more. Um, but that's that's it. It's not about all about bashing heads. We got to uh, destigmatize that a bit too. Um, show the delicateness, the skilled part of the game is so important and fundamental. Um, and that, and women do don't mind girls do not mind getting a bit physical it's just a matter of ensuring that we get the grassroots level going so that it's even safer when you're moving into the high performance lines right so if you're not teaching the body control young how are they supposed to be able to do that and translate that later right so still yeah. it's interesting as you share that again this idea of high performance I, I don't know if you saw this yesterday on social media i saw a post come out out of British Columbia, that there were three of some of the top high school uh, programs in British Columbia, and they all had, you know, female representation on their team. So I thought, wow, that's amazing. Like, it just shows you how the game is growing, especially coming out of the last 18 months. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned your son playing with the UA flag program and the girls are mixed in with that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because the skill level on the skilled position and last so long right mm -hmm. maybe high schools when you start to deviate and we could see that the, the the boys and the girls match up at the skill end of things without the contact a bit more right um and then when you start moving into the high performance lens that's when we need to prioritize building those skills to another level um but that's the thing it's there's a lot of chance to be playing or we see the the girls at the high school level especially out west that are playing on the boys teams they're playing on their high school varsity programs because mm -hmm. it's the only place they can play and they're able to compete it's what happens after and how we prioritize yeah. that and how we build those skills early right and start mm -hmm. um, showing that the high performance line at the younger level and into the older level can be done to that of the boys you know it, it, it's interesting that as you talk about that right like again creating that sort of just opportunities, what I really heard from you is like, right, it's like creating this line of opportunity throughout sport, right, like truly buying into that long term athlete development model, right. And uh, I'd love to share with you a, a quick story of, of where so my daughter is, she's a competitive gymnast, you know, she's, you know, strong, powerful, like very, very confident. She she actually is 
that girl that plays tag with the boy like she just that's what she loves she loves competing against her older brother and his friends and it was interesting we're at the park a couple weeks ago and she was playing and then there was another uh young girl at the park and i heard her kind of say well none of them want that little girl on their team and then kind of my my, like dad ears perked up right i was ready like who does it you know and then we then we asked my son and daughter like were they trying to you know not a, were they trying to like trade Kiana to a different team They're like no they they actually wanted her on our team mm-hmm. but but why it became so evident to me was I'm, I I just felt for this little girl because I thought you know where is that story coming from and it's not coming from a place of judgment but there is there has been some sort of idea that she has internalized that said that you know, for whatever reason that the boys are trying to, they don't want to play with the girls, right? And, and stuff like that. So, so I'm curious from you, is, is that something that needs to get addressed in your opinion for the game to grow? Yeah, I, I don't know what it was with me personally in my experiences, because I started playing in grade six. So I don't even, what am I, 10 or 11 yeah. at that stage? I was fortunate to grow up in the Peel region of Mississauga. So we had flag football at the high school level at my high school. We were one of the top programs. So loved it, loved that experience. And then they, the high schools always hosted a tournament for the middle schools, so get them introduced in the game. And that was the sphere. I was like, oh man, girls can compete. There's, there's no problem. Um, but then I didn't realize how much barrier to that in terms of concept and thinking for other young women and girls wanting to play the game because they just assume, oh, that's not that's not for me. That's not my space. So I'm going to provide two examples of where where I thought things were changing in that that thinking. So Western, our women's team at Western um, participated with the Kinesiology Students Association with their Olympic Dreams event. So what that does is bring in athletes from track, athletes from other sports to um, introduce kids in grade four and three, four and five into how you can get into a sport to the Olympic level potentially, right? Those dreams, those big thinking and who's in that space and what varsity athletes on campus can they meet to learn about that and how to get into that. And they all came to the university stadium. We set up the fields, we all were out there and they asked us to come out. And this is the first time women's football was invited to something. And we ended up running most of the programming because we can incorporate a lot of different skill sets in different ways. We can do agility drills, we can do catching, we can do handoffs, we can do flag pulling. Um, and the kids loved it. It was a mix of boys and girls. At, at the halftime of the event, um, they were able to get signatures. And of course, the uh, not, nothing to say bad against the men's football team, but they only came out, they didn't run any of the programming, but they came out at half time the kids all came running asking for signatures and jerseys we were still there we're still standing there because we ran all the programming and almost half of the girls came up to us saying we want a signature from you we want it from you instead of from the guys because like I want to come to western and I want to play and that was like the most enriched experience I had it on tape we went out and we were signing we were like in love with this because just the fact that they got to see it and then try it out and they were at the same level all the boys in their in their grade no problem uh and they loved it The second example I have is I have a summer team and we compete in touch football Ontario. Uh, So that's seven V seven football touch non-contact. And we practice at the same park, very similar to what your, your daughter's experience was. And then the other young girl, we play at the park twice a week, practicing, throwing balls, catching balls, agility, training, everything. And we, we perform at what I would say a high performance level. And 
every day, same family, same kids come out and walk by us, watch us. And they just stand there and they're like, damn, <laughs> this is awesome to see. Yeah. Like, and, and we're out there, we're balling out and they don't often see that. And their daughters, their kids are always, they hover, they hover. They're like, oh, I want to kind of, I want to kind of get in there. And then one day, one of the mothers stopped by and said, honestly, you guys are an inspiration to us. We see you every week. My daughter loves you guys. They just, mm -hmm. she just loves watching and maybe one day she'll be able to play and it's just an inspiration. And I think that's where we start changing the mentality around the sport is by actually putting and promoting more women in the game and young girls in the game or, or setting up those community relationships to really talk with young, young kids and girls. So that's how we have to change it. It's mm -hmm. going to always kind of be a thought there for the time being, but the more examples and experiences of that, that's what makes it even more rewarding for myself will really change, change the thinking there. And, and most of the guys now want us to be on their co-ed teams. Co-ed still exists, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. um, that, that tends to be it. You know, I, I, I want to thank you for sharing the, that beautiful experience because I, I almost felt like I was there watching my daughter because I feel like my daughter would gravitate to that, right? Like if we were back at living in London, that is something she would want to come out to. And I think what it really got me was you're... <sighs> you're breaking the game down to such these finite skills that football can feel really big and overwhelming, overcomplicated. But like you said, they're, they're basic movement skills, right? It's hand-eye coordination. It's, it's, it's using your agility, right? It's like the flag, like, it's just, it's just such a beautiful way to introduce the game. And I love how, you know, what you talked about is you're just showing people what's possible, right? Yeah. Like you're just giving people something, you know, these other young women of what to strive for. And, and I love that, it's sort of challenging this idea that I have to see it to believe it, where now it's like you've, you know, you've made believers out of the males that, you know, they want you on the team because they see that you guys can ball, that you're high level athletes, that you're high performance athletes that can contribute. So I just, I just love it. It just warms my heart, uh, you know, as someone who's passionate about football, but, you know, especially as a dad and, and just, so thank you for that. Uh, yeah, no, no problem. And I just hope your daughter can see it more too. Uh, she can come out and and try it out too. Um, it's a big part of all that we do, and I advocate for this all the time. Is any groups looking to work with us? We want to get more young girls in the game. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of having the resources to do it. Because I would love to do these things all the time, but but I am still a student. <laughs> I yeah. don't have all the equipment, so it's a bit of it's a bit of a balance. But we just need more and more faces out there. So a question that came up, and, and it probably goes to my background is you've mentioned a few times about the success that you've seen partnering with and collaborating with high schools. And, and I think recently about how Football Canada is now providing these first down grants, right, for these. Is that a way to where we start building some ladders down the grassroots and introducing it to even younger ages? Is that, in your opinion, the most effective way of, to grow the game? Yeah, so I mentioned this already, resources, right? That's a mm -hmm. big one. Um, so if you are investing in it and putting money where your mouth is, that's where it's going to start, right? No one's going to take on a project that is to somewhat of a deficit for them, right? Uh, especially if they don't see the potential in, in the sport, but if they see that, okay, if someone's willing to invest and put money towards it, like these first down programs, then we should get it going. Um, I think the high schools are a great lens because um, introducing sport at that time is also great. Um, and having competition. So I think the key thing is, is 
okay, we can have these programs started up, but what are they striving towards? And how can you engage them in a way that they're competing with new people, they're competing across the province, and just even organizing the most simplest tournaments at the high school level and inviting high schools to say, hey, we have this going on with this prize, then they're going to come out, then we're going to see kind of coaches investing in it as well, too. Um, I grew up playing volleyball, that was my varsity sport. Um, and we had tournaments every weekend leading into January all the way up until May, which was nationals. And the fact that we were working towards executing at a tournament every so often, that was enough to get these high performance programs, these clubs going. So I think that's mm. where things start. And, and I love how you bring up like putting your money where your mouth is. And it's true, right? Like if it if something's important, then people invest in it, right? And it's really easy to say, oh yeah, I like that idea, but like you said, can you put your money where your mouth is? Um, it's interesting because part of my thought comes up there is, okay, you know, what do we need to do, right? Like, like, how do you make this happen? Because my thought is, you know, one of the, I guess, just in the 20 years I've been around football, football can be an expensive sport, travel sport, right? Like sports is increasing in costs. But I actually think that that's where the beauty of flag is, because there's not a lot of costs associated with it. And when you think about you know, also, you know, from research, they find that 13 is the age where a lot of athletes transition out of high performance sport. Yes. Maybe this is the, the ideal vehicle. And by investing into that, we start to address some of the mental health, you know, issues that we're seeing some of the wellness, right. And so I, I kind of see like, it's actually a proactive approach going younger. That's a big one. Like when universities are investing in our programs they actually don't want us making cuts they don't want us taking the best athletes and cutting out other athletes because they see so many girls are coming out to try out the sports somewhere like for example western will have 120 tryout we can't take everyone only because we don't have those resources but schools who are investing like queens for example they're okay with 200 girls being a part of their program because it's investing in the wellness aspect of things right that's a big part of sports and recreation is wellness, keeping women active, and doing that to enhance the academic experience that translates down to the high school, the elementary level, right? We see that fitness, physical activity will improve um, performance at the academic level. I study this. I study uh, memory and cognition and how your brain works and functions under exercise. So I show this all the time in the research that I do. Um, and that's why I think it's so important to prioritize these new, these more newer sports like flag football because one you just need to invest in flags at one time you need to invest in balls at one time until they become too rough to use again and they're not the most expensive purchases they're not getting pads and flag their pads and um gear that cost 200 to 500 dollars to get fitted it's just a one-time purchase and jerseys right so i'm going to take home with them um, and that's what we prioritize right now is trying to find ways to reduce costs completely. Because one, we're, we're trying to get women and young girls to invest in the game themselves. And at the university level, what we find are athletes are actually paying their way to play. So it's not coming from the parent anymore. So reducing the barriers and costs is a big one. And flight football is fairly inexpensive to other varsity programs of varsity sports that range anywhere to the 500,000 range. Whereas we try to keep it to the 100 to 300 range to play the sport right um and that's a big element of things uh and i think that's some of the beauty behind the game is that it can be fairly inexpensive and we just are looking for 
sponsors and investors that'll pay for that one set of flags that is maybe max $200. So it's those little things to help bring in more women into wellness aspects of sport. Again, I love the reframe. And again, I, and that's why it's, I love talking with experts that sort of have, a, you know, especially your background neuroscience is, you know, we can look at things in terms of, you know, the cash value of what it costs to buy the, the flags, you know, to get started up. But, but what is the use value that we get out of it, right? What is it when we have more young people that have, you know, that are more, that feel more resilient, that, that feel that they can persevere through challenge, struggle, and obstacle, right? So, so I look at it, it, it's really reframing that, yes, it's going to cost some money up front, the cash value, but the use value is going to pay dividends, not only for these people, but, you know, for future generations down the line. Yeah, and I, and I think another part of investment is time and administrative support. Yes, I get that. That's a big one. But when we've built models at most schools, for example, where the leadership comes from the student and the, the student athlete themselves, it takes a lot of that admin load off and a lot of leadership opportunity for athletes to one, help run programs, build coaching staffs, um, set up practices and transition these young women into potentially being administrators in the future. So that's also a big investment part of it too, the, 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 the buyout of all these things. So, yeah. So, so I'm really curious, you've, you know, seen the game from a, a number of different lenses, right? Like as a high, high level athlete, I mean, you're the, you know, the president of uh, football for women's football at Western. You're the executive director at UEFA. What, what's really the next like step? If, if you said, you know, we're having this conversation a year from now and you said, you know what, looking a year back, this was a successful year. We had a ton of growth. Like what, where would you like to see women's football go in the next calendar year? Oh, next calendar year. So we are planning for comp competition in 2022. Um, that comes with a lot of things. One, navigating the pandemic, of course. But in a perfect world, um, what I picture is uh, we usually run two games on a given football field. So I would love the stands to be filled, right? What's nice is that they're getting there because parents love to come out. This is a chance to watch their daughter get back into sport. They love, love to watch. The second is um, a lot of the, the OUA men's football athletes are the ones supporting these programs. So they come out and support cheer on. Um, they're a big element to that. And what I see is that maybe even five years down the line, 10 years down the line, this is my role and the other roles on our exec are paid. Um, they are the admins that keep this league going and they are no longer students because the load on students is a lot. I want our exec team to be all women, all running these programs from underrepresented groups like myself, BIPOC women, also ones that are coaching these programs too and leading these programs would be like, that would be the most amazing thing. For 2022, I want, yeah, I want these tournaments to be run smoothly. I want to see those black and white stripes out on the field to make sure that the games are run well. Um, I want there to be uh, vendors, people supporting and investing in the game by providing gear, selling product, supporting athletes, having athletic therapy out there, help, ready to help anyone who's potentially injured, um, stands filled. And uh, other admin being present at those two, right? So we have um, 
university administration helping keep these programs going and supporting the leadership team of student women athletes running these programs. But I also want to see them there. I want to see them standing and watching the games as well. So those are all the things that I'm looking forward to in 2022 um, and the execution of a, of a well-run season and a championship event. And then of course, we're working with Football Ontario on kind of bridging the, the performance gap to the national and provincial teams uh, and different types of flag because all of the flag is transferable and getting our athletes in those lenses, those areas as well, um, representing our league, representing Ontario, and then representing the country. I love it. I, I love how you look at a local, you look at provincial and you're looking at like nationally. And I, I just think it's such a beautiful vision, Olivia. And I don't know. I, I just had this vision of you and I sitting down. Who knows? Maybe, maybe my daughter is that next generation of Western yeah. football players. She can keep dad's legacy going. And, you know, may, you know, we're sitting there going, Hey, remember when we had that conversation in the huddle X number of years ago, and here we are just enjoying homecoming. Right. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. And I mean, I want to do a demonstration of our game at a men's football game one day after they mm -hmm. play, uh, they need their warm up time. So we'll take that time. <laughs> Uh, and just get the fans, the fans that are already there to see us play. Maybe it might be a scrimmage against Laurier or Waterloo that's nearby, but that would be, that would be awesome. That's something I would love just to get the buy-in in. Okay. So I have one last question for you, Olivia. You know, this, this last 18 months has, has been an interesting time, right? For all of us, right? And everyone's experience has been different. But I think what it's reminded us is that challenge, obstacles, setbacks are, are just inherent in the game of life. It's not that we want to expect them, but we just understand that they will pop up from time to time. So I'm curious, what is a suggestion, a piece of advice that you would give someone that's maybe going through a challenging time right now that is a focused action that they can take just to help, you know, sort of create some positive momentum on, in their life? and start getting them back on their journey to greatness. I'm a big advocate for also prioritizing yourself and making sure that that, that is the starting point. So once you kind of understand where you need to be mm. and where you wanna go, prioritizing the things that'll kind of help you get there is a big element to that. So um, especially when it's a harder time, understanding things to get you out of a funk right? Who's there to support you and who are some allies that you can lean on to? Or how can you take time for yourself to kind of recenter, refocus, because the rest won't come out until after that, right? Um, in terms of reaching for a goal and going forward, um, my thing is, is finding something, even if it's small that you really excel at, do it in that moment, do it maybe two days later, get that knocked off of your list. Say I just did and did something really well. And for me, sometimes football is that. And if I'm showing off and I'm playing really well that one day, that's enough to get me out of a funk and kind of reset going into my next day and start thinking about, okay, I've gotten that thing done. I've done it well. Let me just move on to something maybe a bit bigger or maybe something as a little bit of a step up. And that'll start making those kind of either personal leadership journeys or personal journeys a bit um, uh, smoother and easier over time because it doesn't have to be all big all at once can also be the small things that help kind of keep you moving in the right direction. Spoken like a true high performance athlete, just breaking <laughs> things down to the nitty gritty, just that yeah. one simple action, keep it simple, simple, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Just something, yeah, just something easy <laughs> that you know you can do right and you know you yeah. can do well to get you out of it, you know, to get you, yeah. to keep you going forward. Yeah. Definitely. So Olivia, how can we support you? How can we, you know, maybe there's someone out there that's looking to, you know, donate, you know, those flags, you know, like you're asking for, how can we stay connected to, you know, what you're doing at Western, you know, with a WAFO, what's the best way for people to follow the journey? Yeah, so definitely stay engaged on our socials, just because we invite so many stakeholders and members and athletes to our events to start understanding what we do a bit better, because that's, that's when you know you want to invest is when you actually see it. So for example, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook. So look for OEFA Women's Football or OEFA Women's FB. Uh, to find us on social media. That's a big great uh, start. So to support my work is continue inviting me out to opportunities like this. And of course, I'm, I want to get other athletes or other leaders into these opportunities as well. So of course, I want to pass on the torch and let them get involved in these things. And that's enough to get our voice out there um, and elevate voices of underrepresented groups. It's a big thing that I advocate for, especially if you do come from uh, overly represented group. Uh, the other thing is, is our league, um, everything is self-funded. Investment from the university is very small, if any. So if you are looking to find support, especially with ratified programs under the universities, look at donating or funding in some way. It can even be equipment. That's the big one. Flags, balls tend to be too two, bit, two balls, three balls to help at practice and maybe 10 or 15 flags that are enough to get by. Um, on a daily, on a weekly basis. So things like that really help. And we will be putting out uh, donation or funding opportunities, kickback opportunities, buying gear, um, supporting our group in different ways that will help give back. Um, if you're thinking about ways to do this more locally, there are teams in Kitchener, Waterloo, Hamilton, London, et cetera, reach out to them and see how you can help, whether it doesn't have to be financial, it can be coaching support, administrative support, all those things make a big difference. So that's what I would like to, to advocate for, for now. Love it. And I'll be sure to share all of the social media handles in the description on Facebook, on YouTube and the podcast. So I want to take a moment, Olivia, just to acknowledge you. I, I want to acknowledge you for you know, the woman you are, the amazing daughter, the, the great athlete, you know, the great leader, but most importantly, the amazing human being you are. The one thing I've really got a sense of in the short time we've known each other is how your desire and willingness to be a catalyst of change, to really drive and show people what's possible is inspiring to me. It really reminds me about what makes life meaningful. And I'm just so enthused to see how this journey continues to unfold for you. I really appreciate that. Sometimes uh, you don't hear it enough. So when you do hear it, it shows that I'm actually making an impact and introducing young women to the game and young girls to the game is like a big part of that. And I see that they are actually very grateful for it. So if you are mm -hmm. thinking about, I, I don't know, I don't even know where, where, to, where to go with that. I'm just really, um, really thankful that you recognize that in me. And I hope, hope others do too, and are willing to invest in, in all the work that I've done to support the next gen who will be taking over for me soon enough. Definitely. So folks, 
Olivia shared lots of valuable nuggets of wisdom, right? Again, not only of how you can succeed on the football field, but how you can succeed in your health, in your relationships, right? In your, in your career, in your school, but most importantly, in life. So my challenge to you is to take one of those nuggets and apply it to your life. Because I'll remind you, as I always do in the huddle, knowledge is potential power. It's the consistent and focused application of that knowledge that actually creates great results. So do the work today and go hit your next level of greatness. I look forward to chatting with you again next time in the huddle. Have a great rest of your day.